Y'all ready? You have a great privilege again today. I would like for Ashley to come on up. Ashley's going to be preaching for us. Yeah, come on, give her a hand. Yeah, yeah. Woo! And this is your house. We want you to be at home, do and say whatever you need to say. Would y'all do me a favor? They have, they have put roots down, and they're making decisions. And ever since they've started doing this, their family has been under attack left and right with sickness and just random weird things. Can we pray for their family? Would you stretch your hand toward Ashley and to Hank? Hank, would you come up as well? Yeah. Hmm. Father, we right now, we drive back the enemy that would like to just put pressure on them. Pressure, 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 pressure until they relent. And we, I know this couple, they don't relent. They're not going to give up. So we just ask God that you would stand up. When the enemy comes in, you said, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise a standard, a pillar against the enemy. And so God, I put that hedge of protection around this family. And I ask that the spirit of God would raise up a wall, a barrier wall around them, that you would keep them safe and incubated. Hmm. We love the pressure that's coming from you. We love the tension that you've brought. But then the enemy likes to sneak in and try to get into the door with other tension and pressure that did not come from you. And we tell that pressure and that tension to stop in Jesus' name. And God, we just speak favor upon them, and we say yes to their destiny, their calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, thank you. You ready? Oh, thank you guys. Thank you so much. We need that. We love you guys. We value your prayers and just your support and encouragement. And um, we really do. We rely on you. <laughs> so, um, okay. Well, thank you for, um, let me see if I can scoot this up a little bit. I'm like blinded by the light and not the good light. Um, okay. <laughs> um, can you all still see me? Okay. Is this yes. good? Okay. So um, thank you again for having me speak. It's always a little bit terrifying, but in a good way. And um, I'm happy to be here. And I'm always glad that um, that I, you know, put in put in the effort to do it, and that I had the opportunity to do it. So thank you very much. Um, today, I just want to talk to you all um, a little bit about what it looks like when the Lord gives us a promise. And he gives us a direction to get to that promise. He sets our feet on a path. But somewhere between the promise revealed and the promise fulfilled, things get hard. (laughs) And not just inconvenient, but things get really hard. And it really starts to cost us something to see the Lord's promise fulfilled in our lives. How many of y'all have been there? How many of y'all are there now? Come on. Okay. (laughs) Me too. So um, I just wanted to talk about that place and how is it that we stay the course, firmly grasping the will of the Lord when it starts to really cost us. And it starts to cost us so much we think, I don't know if I have what it takes to do this. I don't know if, Lord, I have anything left to give. Are you sure this is the right path for me? And so today we're going to be looking at um, a passage from Zechariah, chapter 14, 
4 through 5, and I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version today. Zechariah 14, 4 through 5. So go ahead and follow along with me as I read. It says, In that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in half from the east to the west by a very large valley, and half of the mountain will move towards the north and half of it towards the south. And this is what I want you to pay attention to. And you will flee by the valley of my mountain, capital M, my mountain. For the valley of the mountains will reach Azel, and you will flee just as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And so when I read that passage, my immediate question to the Lord was, Lord, you create valleys for us to walk through? Are valleys not bad? Are we not supposed to avoid valleys? If we find ourselves in a valley, are we not supposed to find another way? And so I pondered this. I questioned the Lord. And of course, I don't want to make a th- create an entire theology out of one statement. So I started looking through scripture at other places to ask the Lord, do you create valleys on the way to your promises? Does it cost us something? Does it get hard? Is that you? And if it gets hard, what do we do? And so I found um, a couple of places. I mean, the first one being the parting of the Red Sea, which is this this passage in Zechariah is uh, is a prophecy, an end times prophecy. And so the um, the uh, parting of the Red Sea is just a foreshadow of what's to come. So the parting of the uh, Red Sea is um, another example, uh, I think, of um, a valley being created in the process of the Lord's ultimate promise. So the Israelites have been enslaved for years by the Egyptians, and they finally have a promise from the Lord that they're going to be set free and taken to literally the promised land. And the Lord says, and your path or the course that I want you to take is to follow Moses through the desert. And so they take off. But of course, as we know, as they start through the desert and um, come upon the Red Sea, Pharaoh has a change of heart and the Egyptians are start, the Egyptian army starts coming up behind them. And all of a sudden they have a choice to make. The Red Sea start or parts before them. They have the Egyptian army behind them. And all of a sudden, they realize this promise is going to cost me something. And I have a choice to make. I can turn and fight the Egyptians and likely be killed and definitely drug back into slavery. Or I can trust the Lord and step on this dry land that he's created for me between the Red Sea. Not knowing at what point the waters will flood back over and they could possibly drown. They had no idea. But the Lord says, will you trust me to do the hard thing to get to your promise? Another example is King David. You know, he was anointed by Samuel as king, as likely an adolescent, a young adolescent. But he wouldn't take the throne until he was 30 years old. So he has 15 to 20 years of waiting for his promise fulfilled. And we know by reading the life of David that he encountered some hardship on the way. And he actually even had an opportunity to end it. One night when he was standing over Saul, the one who'd been chasing him and hunting him, the one he'd been terrified from and hiding from all those years, 
he was standing over him and he had a chance to end it right then, kill Saul and become king and it would all be over. But he says, no, this has to cost me. Far be it for me to kill the king's anointed, but I'm gonna stick to the will of the Lord. I'm gonna do the hard thing. I'm gonna endure, endure what the Lord is asking me to endure in this season on, my way to my, on the way to my promise. And so today I wanna to talk to you about what you might be experiencing if you find yourself in the valley between his promise revealed and his promise fulfilled, when he sets your feet in a direction, but it gets really hard on the way there, and then how do you get through it? If you find that it's really hard, what do you do? And so the first thing that I want to talk about today is um, what we might experience in the valley. And the one thing that we may experience is that we may find ourselves wrestling with God, especially in the initial onset of that struggle, that hardship, that initial challenge. We might start to say, wait, is this right? Should this not be easier? I thought you told me to go down this path and now it's getting really rocky. The example that I found for that one is from Genesis 32. It's the most obvious one, Jacob, who literally wrestles with God. <laughs> now, Jacob deceived his father. He stole his brother's birthright, and he flees for 20 years. But the Lord comes to him with a promise, and he says, return to your people, and I will make you prosper. So he gives him a promise, I will make you prosper, Jacob. And he gives him a direction. He sets his feet in a course, but you're going to need to return to your people. And so he starts out on the course. And I'm sure he's thinking, surely the Lord has a good plan for me in this, since he's telling me to do it. But he sends word to his brother Esau, the one whose birthright he had stolen. And as a result, Esau starts coming towards him with 400 men. And Jacob gets scared. And he starts questioning, is this right? I thought I was supposed to return to my people and I was going to prosper. And he says to the Lord, I'm afraid. Save me, please, from the hand of my brother. And the Lord in reply in verse 12 says, I will certainly make you prosper and make your descendants as, as the sea, which is too great to be counted. And that night he literally wrestles with the Lord in the form of an angel. And in the process of wrestling with him, Jacob gets a new name. He gets a new identity. The angel says to him, you will no longer be Jacob the deceiver, but you'll be Israel. Roughly translated, God fights. So sometimes in the course of the hardship of the valley, the Lord actually changes our identity to be able to endure or be ready for the promises that await us. Another example that I found of wrestling with the Lord was Jesus himself. And I love that God gave us Jesus as a human because he helps guide us and he understands what it means to be human what it feels like to be human, our weakness <laughs> that we experience. And even Jesus, knowing that his entire purpose on earth 
was to be the sacrificial lamb so that we could all find salvation through him. On the night before he was arrested, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he goes to a quiet place and he says to God, he says he fell face down and prayed saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So he says to the Lord, Lord, this is hard. I cannot imagine what I'm about to endure. If you say it has to be so, if this is the cost, I'll do it. But if there's any other way, Father, I'm open. (laughs) And he goes back out and he finds his disciples sleeping, but he goes back to the Lord one more time with a resolve. He went away a second time and and prayed, saying, Father, if this cannot pass away until I drink it, your will be done. So I think Jesus paints a very important picture for us as as humans relating to God. It's okay to wrestle with God, but we must always submit to his will in the end. We can't take it into our own hands. We can't choose for the Lord a better path for our lives, but we trust him. It's okay to say, Lord, if there's any other way in this hard season, please let it be. You see me, you see what my family's going through. If there's any other way, but if not, I'll do it. I know you're worth it. Another thing we might experience is an element of spiritual warfare, spiritual attack from the enemy. I mean, we're in a valley. It's not exactly the most, uh, it's not the uh, most optimal uh, strategic positioning in battle. Right? And he's going to recognize that. He's an opportunist. He waits till we're vulnerable, till we're open for attack, and that's when he attacks. So we may actually experience some opposition from the enemy in the valley. And Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 4, did just this. The Lord gives him a promise and says, I want you to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he, and the Lord makes a way. He gives him favor with the king. He gives him all the supplies that he needs. He gets him to Jerusalem safely. But when he gets there, his enemies find out what he's doing. In Nehemiah 4, verse 8, it says, They all conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. The enemy will not be happy on the path that you're headed, especially if it's to the Lord's promises. (laughs) And I think we have to be aware of it and we have to be ready for it and we can't be afraid of it. And Nehemiah says to his people, when I saw their fear, in verse 14, when I saw their fear, I stood and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them, their enemies. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He says, don't be afraid. Remember your God who is great and awesome and fight, not just for yourselves, for the people that you love, the people who love you, because the promise is worth it. And it says in verse 17, from then on, everyone worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. So they kept pressing forward, building that wall with one hand while also fighting with the other. 
They didn't let the attack of the enemy stop their forward progression. And we can't either. We stay on the path, even if it's a valley, towards the promise of the Lord. The next thing we might experience in the valley, we might experience some pride or offense that we should have to endure such hardship with the Lord. I mean, I'm just, that's me. <laughs> that's my number one. Especially if you had walked with the Lord for a long time. Especially if you have made sacrifices on your journey with him already. That he would ask you one more time to give more than you think you have to give. And he would say to you, I'm worth it. He would say to you, you're worth it. An example of this is from 2 Kings 5, where Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army, a great man in the eyes of the king and the people, courageous, but he's a leper. And someone in his um, wife's house, an Israelite girl in his wife's house, says, you have to go see Elisha, the prophet, and he'll heal you. So he does. He takes off. <laughs> Elisha is his hope. God has given him a promise of healing. And he sets him on a course to see Elijah. He rides up to Elijah's place with chariots and horses. And when he gets there, Elijah doesn't even come out to say hello. <laughs> he sends a messenger out to, to tell the commander of the Syrian army, go wash in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman is furious. Who does this prophet think that I am? Does he not know I am the commander of the Syrian army, that I know the king, that I am respected and courageous? And he nearly forgoes his promise of healing of leprosy out of offense. Thankfully, a servant of his or a friend, buddy of his, says to him, don't let this, don't let this keep you from your healing. Go do it. And he does. The final thing we might find in the valley is we may start to question the cost. Is it really worth it? This is taking everything that I have to get through this. Nothing right now is as I pictured it would be. It's so far from the promise that you've made to me, I can't even see it anymore. <laughs> is it really worth what you're asking me to do? Surely, Lord, even I could find a better path for myself to your promise than this. And we have to get really real before the Lord to say, I don't know if I can do it. Is it worth the cost. And we might just start to question it for real. So when we find ourselves um, in that valley, experiencing maybe some of these things that I've mentioned, how do we get through it? What do we do in the process? If it's hard, if it's costing us, if we have direction and the Lord has set our, our, our course, but things get hard between the promise revealed and the promise fulfilled, how do we get through it? The first thing I would suggest is we find reason to be thankful. Yeah, come 
Because it's a, if it's a valley from the Lord, he's still there. And he's still moving, and he's still working, and he's still good. One thing we might find ourselves doing in that hard place is trying to avoid or distract ourselves from the pain. And we do that in many different ways. But that problem is, is that when we try to distract ourselves from the hardship that we're experiencing, we also unintentionally distract ourselves from the goodness of what the Lord is doing in that season as well. So when you find yourself in that place, I would encourage you to experience it. To get alone with the Lord, get outside with the um, pumpkin spice latte and the scorching heat of September. Get off your phone, get out from in front of the TV. And really experience the Lord in that season. Because he is good. And he is moving. Get the mind of Christ and the view of Christ for what is happening in that time in the valley. And if you absolutely can't, go to the Psalms. (laughs) They are full of cries to the Lord in desperation of hard seasons. And at the same time, thanksgiving for who the Lord is. And if you can't find it yourself, go to the Psalms and use theirs until you can find it again. Another thing we can do is we don't do it alone. We were never intended to walk through the valley alone. We weren't intended to do life on our own. Be vulnerable with someone who loves the Lord and who loves you to let them know, hey, I'm walking through a valley right now and it's hard. Like it's gotten real. It's gotten real hard and I don't know if I can do it. Those of you who have been there before, come alongside those who haven't. Take their hand and say, I've been here before. I know the way. It's worth the cost. I promise you. We need each other. Just like Mandy said last week, I need you. We have to ask for help. We have to be real with the people around us. We have to trust them enough to let them know that we're having a hard time and not let the lies of the enemy keep us in isolation where we're going through the hardest thing we may have ever gone through in our lives. We need to keep a firm grasp on the will of the Lord. This is from uh, Ephesians 5.15. It says, look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully, not as the wise and the witless, making the most of every time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, Understanding and fir- but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. So in that valley, we need to be careful how we walk. We need to live purposefully. If we never have before, we live purposefully in that season because every moment counts. We don't want to walk through it as the unwise, but we want to be wise 
not vague or thoughtless or foolish, but we want to understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is in that season so we can move forward. Now, I have to say that before I ever entered a valley and I read this verse, I thought that firmly grasping the will of the Lord was like a cognitive exercise where we fully grasp and understand the will of the Lord. And I think that's true. I mean, I think that is an interpretation of that scripture that we fully, you know, we get before the Lord and we kind of dissect and, you know, unearth what his will is for our lives. And we fully understand what that is. But when you're in the valley, grasping the will of the Lord has a whole new meaning. (laughs) And you are literally hanging on to the will of the Lord with everything you have. Because it's the only thing that will get you through to see his promise fulfilled. So when you know the will of the Lord for your life in that season, make it known to the Lord and to yourself every single day. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Write it on the palm of your hands. Meditate on it in your heart all day, every day, so you do not lose sight and you do not lose the grip or the grasp of the will of the Lord for you in that season. And then the last thing is to take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed. Going back to uh, Exodus 14, 13 through 7, when the Israelites find themselves at the edge of the Red Sea, the waters have parted, and they're having to make a choice. Do I step into this hard thing? Do I step into the valley that the Lord has created for me on my path to his promise fulfilled? Or do I take matters into my own hands and turn and fight the Egyptians? And Moses says to the people in verse 13, do not be afraid. Take your stand. Be firm and confident and undismayed. See the salvation that the, uh, of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians who you have seen today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. This can be the hardest thing to do in the valley. It's to stay confident and quiet and remain calm when it feels like everything around you is unraveling. When you're in that moment with the Lord and there is chaos, as we've been talking about, all around You cannot rely on the voices of your circumstances. You can't rely on your emotions. You can't rely on the well-meaning people who would seek to give you advice in that valley. You can't even rely on cultural or societal norms. 
you must find your peace in the valley. Doing the last thing that you heard the Lord say to do and stay the course. It will be the only place where you find your peace. The only place, like the eye of the storm, <laughs> when everything around you, like I said, is unraveling, unfolding, you've got voices pulling you in every direction, you have to find your peace with the Lord. Shut yourself in a closet, lock yourself in the bathroom, get out to your car and find your peace with the Lord to stay the course. He has given you a promise. And the bigger the promise, likely, the greater the cost. So if it's really costing you, I promise you it's really worth it. And you will not be disappointed in the end. And when you find that place of peace with the Lord and you know, Lord, I'm standing firm on this course that you've set for me. It's as if you can hear him say, steady, stay steady. You know me. We've been here before. Not to this extent, but we've practiced this. And you know how it ends. Stay the course with me. Do not give up, but stay the course. And we tap into his presence and his promise in that moment. And we will not be disappointed. So if that's you, if that speaks to you today, will you go ahead and stand up? If you have found yourself in the place where the Lord has given you a promise, and he may have given you a promise five years ago, <laughs> five days ago, it doesn't matter. But if you know that you have had a promise for the Lord that has yet to be revealed or fulfilled, I would love to pray with you today. Before I got up here to speak, I was so hungry, like physically hungry. And I was, it was distracting. And I just thought, this is not normal. Like, why am I hungry? I've had breakfast, like I've done my normal routine, but I was hungry and all of a sudden I realized it's the Lord. <laughs> and so I just wanna pray over you a hunger for that promise, an insatiable hunger that you will not relent until you have walked through, whether it's a valley or a high place or whatever it is that the Lord is asking you to walk through on the way to that promise that you will not relent until you see his promise fulfilled in your life. So Jesus, I just pray that over everyone standing now. Lord, that you would give them everything they need in this season. And Father, I pray that you would not let them out of this season until they have gotten everything you have for them in this season. 
No matter how hard it is, no matter how much it costs them, Lord, do not let them out until they have received everything and are ready to fully step into the promise that you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would send people alongside them to grab their hand and say, I've been here before. I know the way out. It's worth the cost. I pray that we would seek people out in this congregation and say, how can I, how can I walk with you through this? What is it that the Lord has promised you and how can I carry you through? Holy Spirit, come right now and settle in us a hunger for you that we would not relent until we have everything that you have promised for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, uh, <laughs> it's hard to follow up after that. Uh, thank you, Ashley. It's 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 fun to get to have conversations beforehand about what's being said. And and Ash had a uh, she she came to me last night about uh, that verse. The Zechariah was fourteen, right? Um, and uh, it's I realized one of my most favorite Jesus coming home, you know, coming back verses. Where I'm like, ah, it's been just rolling to my head, and just hearing hearing her talk about it. Um, uh, uh, is incredible. I don't know if you know the context of that. It, I mean, it, it's basically Jesus showing up and rescuing. Like it's like one of the final moments before He takes His throne on Earth forever. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, whoa. And and I don't know if you know the context of the story. Um, you may have heard of the Battle of Armageddon. Uh, and and if you've ever, ever been a student of uh, you know just end times and uh, just the Lord returning, a lot of people are really scared of that because it seems scary. But it's the end. It's Jesus is coming back. I mean, it's it's the greatest ending ever. Like think of all the great movies you've ever watched and all the stories you ever heard. Nothing in comparison to Jesus coming back and rescuing everybody. And in this context, what is happening is it's it's people call it the Battle of Armageddon. So I think it's like a one or two day thing. Now this is like a massive campaign that's lasted probably for years. Uh, uh, some people like to call it the Battle for Jerusalem as opposed to just the Battle of Armageddon. And um, what happens is I'm gonna kind of paint a picture for you. I'm a, I'm a map guy. I'm a strategic military. I like I like to look at that map stuff. Um, I'm gonna kind of stand up here. But if you know anything about Jerusalem, uh, I don't know. Whenever I'm reading about this stuff, I love to uh, look at maps of what it, like what's going on. And, and so uh, almost imagine like this carpet here is like the Temple Mount of, of Jerusalem, and and you know this is where. Uh, the ark once presided and it faces north like the whole kind of area faces north and in this context um the greatest evil armies of all the antichrist armies are surrounding all in this side but if you know anything about strategy on this side over here on the east side is the mount of olives and i don't know if you guys have ever been to jerusalem um and i haven't but i look at maps <laughs> i want to go so uh, you want to send us that's great um but you can't attack from that side because there's a mountain over there. There's the Mount of Olives. And it's and actually right down on the other side is this valley. And it's, uh, I, I used to, uh, I was a map reader in the military. And so looking at the maps, it's, I mean, to my understanding, it's almost like a cliff on this side of the Mount, uh, Temple Mount. It, it goes straight down. And it's the, the Kid, Kidron Valley, I don't know if I'm saying it right, is over on this side. But then boom, it goes straight up. And right on the other side is where, uh, like almost at the bottom is where, um, um, 
the Garden of Gethsemane is. And so what Jesus says, take this from me, you know, kind of deal. Like he's, I mean, he may know about the moment when he's going to show up and literally split that mountain in half. So Jesus, if you know, I mean, uh, if you read about his return, he comes on the cloud and he comes with fire. It comes with like this smoke, comes with the, uh, all the, I mean, it's all the, all the saints and all the angels. He's coming into the clouds and he actually lands in Egypt and marches his way from Egypt. And actually like, he starts this campaign in several days to march through uh, uh, from like Egypt up to Jerusalem. And, uh, and then all of a sudden he's this hero. He shows up on the side. You have this massive army surrounding all around. All of a sudden, he stands on the mountain, all of us, and I don't know if it's, it has to be an earthquake, and then just boom, and just splits it right open. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's the Red Sea. It's the Red Sea. And when I've got this picture of, I mean, everyone, I mean, they, they flee out of it. That's their fleeing. That's their escape. That's their breakthrough. And um, I saw a picture of people with socks on. I know that sounds funny, but you don't have your shoes on. It's like, Hey, Sammy, Rosie, Ruby, get your shoes on. We're going, we're leaving. <laughs> and it, theologically, we're like, yeah, Jesus is coming. But practically, we got our shoes off. And it's heavy because there are people, I mean, look, they're all the Old Testament. There are people who could have crossed the Jordan and said, you know, I'm going to stay over here on this side of the Jordan. I'm not going to cross. Um, and what I want to encourage you with Ashley just spoke is, is put, put action to the hope that's within us. And like actually prepare yourself to run through that valley. Like, like just expect the Lord to show up. He shows up. He always gives a way out. And when I want to pray for you guys and altar team ministry, if I want to come up, I just want to pray for you guys. And um, I want to, I want to pray breakthrough of you guys that the, that the mountain does split. I also want to pray over you guys that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I want to pray that, um, uh, 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 you, you have the shoes ready. You got your shoes on. You're ready to leave. Um, and and, and at, at moments notice that there's hope within you that just wells up within you. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to live as though it's actually going to happen. It's not some way far off thing, but that I believe the Lord will show up and I'm going to pray breakthrough of you guys. And, and so if y'all want to come up and pray, uh, we'd love to. Oh, oh dear. Which one? Okay. Yeah. So this is Ephesians six, and in fact, this is kind of it did pop in my head actually. So, uh, and having uh, strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation uh, to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Oh, in the note um, here it says uh, the note references a reference to the Roman soldier's shoes, which were uh, studded with. Hobnail, hobnails to give them stability on the battlefield. That's powerful. Yeah, that's just, like you got spikes on. I mean, you're ready to go. I mean, that, that's what it is. You're marching along, and like like these Roman soldiers will have spikes on their shoes to to get ready. You're about to go through a mountain. I mean, you're about to go down the valley, but you got to go through that. And it's I mean, you can imagine just kind of just slipping your way down, potentially falling. But you got to you got to go through it. But then, what if you decide I'm not? I don't want to put my shoes on. Like, I, like it's, it's a, apparently it happens in the Old Testament. And so we want to pray for you guys. We want to pray breakthrough of you guys. That's, that's the big thing. I want to pray breakthrough. Just pray through. And something happens, guys, when people pray for you. It's something the Lord has established as, as the way the kingdom works. I don't know why he does it. Why can't he just do it? But for some reason, he uses humans to release 
his kingdom. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we're simple, broken people. There's nothing special about anybody in this room, but yet he uses us. And so come up, get some prayer. We love you guys. We want to see you guys at uh, the Falana's house and uh, just break bread and have fun. So love you guys.